0: This episode of The Pod Doctors is brought to you by the Kindle book, Saving Limbs, Saving Lives, Advanced Treatments to Prevent Amputations in Diabetic Populations. This Kindle book was brought to you by Dr. Damien Dauphiné, discussing specific patient cases in diabetic limb preservation, which highlight the modern use of wound care technology that has exploded in the last 20 years. With only one advanced therapy available in 1999, there are now hundreds of options to help close chronic wounds in diabetic populations. Dr. Dauphiné distills these options down to show patients and physicians treating these patients, how combinations of these products can be used to save limbs and save lives. Welcome to The Pod Doctors. I'm Dr. Damien Dauphiné, Board Certified Foot and Ankle Surgeon, and my partner, Dr. Rafa Hussein, Fellowship Trained, Podiatric Surgeon, And each week, the pod doctors will be discussing aspects of podiatric medicine and surgery to educate our audience on common foot and ankle problems and the latest treatment options available. We hope to bring you interesting and informative shows each week discussing all the crazy ways the amazing foot can go wrong and cause us problems. Like us on Spotify and Apple and other platforms where you find favorite podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and follow us via our videos on YouTube and like and subscribe. And again, thank you for joining us on this journey with The Pod Doctors. All right, so welcome to The Pod Doctors. Today we have a special guest. Dr. Sizak, is an interventional radiologist with Precision Vascular uh, here in the Metroplex. And we wanted to talk to him a little bit about some of the changes that have happened over the last... 15 or 20 years in, in vascular intervention. Uh, we both treat the same patient population. Diabetes is keeping us both in business, unfortunately unfortunately, But when I, when I started practice in 99, the primary intervention was still open bypass and that's really changed dramatically in the last few years. So tell me a little bit about, about your training and, and what has evolved as far as uh, interventional radiology is concerned.
1: Yeah, um, you know, first of all, thank you again for having us on, I think, um, you know, having a platform to talk about whether it be wound care or vascular care, I think is really important because at the heart of all this is multidisciplinary effort to sort of, you know, make sure that everyone's getting the right care and the global picture here is limb salvage. Absolutely. And, you know, it goes without saying, uh, as you guys have hit home numerous times is that, you know, limb salvage is important for the sole factor of just reducing mortality. Absolutely. So we are all on the same page of working together to make sure that that happens. From a vascular standpoint, like you said, I agree. I think the field has completely evolved. What was open surgical treatment for a lot of wounds 25, 30 years ago has presumably in a lot of parts of the country, hopefully a lot of parts of the country, gone towards more of an endovascular approach. So that being minimally invasive, catheter wire skills to open up blood vessels and get increased perfusion to hopefully heal wounds and that's
0: things that that have been done for cardiac for decades
1: correct and
0: and i think peripheral was sort of ignored for the most part and now you guys are able to get down to tiny little vessels which is amazing
1: well (laughs) i would hope so yeah i think that's kind of the goal is to get as far as you can right And get all the work done but absolutely you know endovascular work has always been targeted towards the heart or the brain or major blood vessels but um, you know it's only been in the last 15 or 20 years that we really explored the lower extremities much of what was done before then like you said was open surgical and the vascular surgeons were either they didn't believe in distal revascularization or they felt the front line was to do an open bypass Mm -hmm. with an open wound, time is tissue. Absolutely. And if you can get somebody on the table without having to tune them up from a cardiovascular standpoint or a major general anesthesia procedure, I think it's for the best. Absolutely. So uh,
0: as far as the, the instrumentation that you guys have access to, it seems like that's evolved as well. Like there was a point at which we had lasers, we had the cold, we had the, the I think it was the, uh, the freezing of, of the plaque yeah. So maybe let's back up a little bit and yeah. talk a little bit about, well, especially with diabetic patients, you, you've got trifurcation disease. They're really getting plaque buildup at that, at the area where you've got one vessel becoming three, lots of turbulence. I mean, is that still the theory, the ongoing theory that that's why they, they tend to block it? They, they get blockages behind the knee?
1: Yeah. Um, you know You guys see it as much as we do. Yeah. Small vessel disease is the name of the game for diabetics, retinopathy, kidney disease. <laughs> The same applies to the toes and distal vessels. So it's basically like a bottom-up approach when it comes to treating these patients. You gotta target the small vessels. Often, More often than not, we see a patient on the table and we do an angiogram. So the iliac arteries are all very much open. The femoral artery is very much open. Mm-hmm. And then like exactly like you're saying, you get down to the trifurcation and the tibials are just sort of, the disease is creeping up. Right. And then it becomes an issue of how much do we try to salvage what else can we get open to try to save this foot? Mm-hmm. Because if you can't open up below the knee, there's very little that you can do for the distal tissues, especially the toes, right? And maybe even let alone the foot. Right. So, and then
0: as far as the instrumentation, do you guys still have, are you still using things like the laser and all the other fancy stuff that came out a few years ago? Even what was the, the one that literally chewed out the plaque and removed it?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, atherectomy has yes. been very instrumental in a lot of what we do. Um, I think myself and a lot of, and my partners as as well, we're pretty judicious with the use of that. And I say that because of the data, you know, we're very data-driven in terms of what we use and the devices, so absolutely right. If there's an occlusion or a blockage where we need to remove the plaque, we go ahead and do that, or it needs to be opened with a laser, um, laser sounds scary, but I assure you, it's not as <laughs> it's not as bad as people say. Yeah, whatever it takes to open up that blockage. A lot of the time, and the data still consistently shows that a balloon is actually the number one method to open up a vessel. Gotcha. And especially with small vessels, the longer you can keep a balloon up in there, the better, the better it becomes. So you're just squashing the plaque up against the walls, opening
0: up the cannula, exactly, and recanalizing essentially.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You know, stents have become the name of the game for right. a lot of larger vessels. We prefer to use very little, if no, metal in the lower extremities because once you put a stent in, it's pretty much start the clock until that stent gets occluded. Right. It's the same with the principle with putting stents in the heart. Start the clock, and 12 months from now, it's going to be a coin toss whether that stent will stay open or not. Buying time. You're buying time, yeah. exactly. And hopefully by 12 months, that wound will heal. Right. But, you know, what is the long term now that you're going to continue to have to revascularize this vessel
0: so bare metal stents mostly not using uh the drug
1: eluting any longer yeah there was a major roadblock with the drug eluting technology uh, a year or two ago where there was a paper that was published and i'll leave it up to the audience to decide what their opinion is based on this but i think that it's pushed the drug eluting technology pretty far away from what we do we do more most of our procedures in the outpatient setting. Mm-hmm. So that increased costs and now actually increased mortality. We've basically just taken it off our shelves completely yeah. now.
0: I think that's that seems to be what I'm seeing across
1: the country, talking sure. to
0: other colleagues. Yeah, absolutely. So as far as your initial workup of these folks, so we've got diabetic patients that are starting to show the initial signs of peripheral arterial disease. So as a patient, because this is really more patient centric, this this podcast, we're trying to give information to patients. So if you are diabetic, you should be getting vascular testing done probably yearly. Okay. At least at least in ABI and maybe toe pressures, or what do you guys like to sure. recommend?
1: Yeah. You know, if I could if I could just back it up here sure. a second and sort of if I could step into the shoes of a patient right. with, with diabetes or a wound or, you know, something that's sort of high risk. You know, what, what would I be looking for in a vascular specialist? I think mm-hmm. you sort of have to think, well, what is, what is the goal of seeing a vascular specialist? Is it someone that will treat my disease, but not really have an end goal in mind? Is there a wound to heal? Is there claudication? Does it, does it hurt if I walk? Mm-hmm. So seeing a vascular specialist that has those same goals in mind is important. So that sort of takes it back to the multidisciplinary approach right. of what we do. Working with podiatry is excellent. We know that our patients are in good hands for when we do revascularization to treat that wound further, to basically reach the end goal right. of what we do. I would never put a patient on the table and let them go somewhere out into the world and just hope and pray that that wound heals. I know that I work closely with my colleagues to make sure that we are all on the same page. Right. I think if you come from a training background and I think There's a lot of specialists you said treat peripheral vascular disease, cardiology, vascular surgery, and ourselves. And if you come from a background where you're treating an image, so what I mean is an angiographic image instead of the patient themselves, right? You're doing a disservice to everybody. You're only going to get so far with that. Absolutely, yeah. You're gonna be you're gonna be caught up in a lot of other issues that I don't think that you want to be a part of. It it, it takes a village. It really
0: does. Yeah, (laughs) I think
1: the the amazing thing about. What we do for
0: a living in trying to save limbs is is that multi-specialty approach, I think, that really benefits the patient and it allows us to to protect them sometimes from themselves <laughs> and, and provide them a pathway both with diabetic shoes, with routine care, deformity correction. So that's the one thing that we, we rely on you guys for is we need the perfusion to be able to do the deformity correction of the simple things, just like a bunion and hammer toes that are threatening the patient because they're creating pressure points that are getting ulcerated. Right. But without without perfusion, we're not going to get anywhere. And so we rely on you guys heavily for that, and then we can take over and do the deformity correction and get them to a, a baseline again where they're not going to re-ulcerate as easily. And then it's just managing these things because it's basically you got to roll with the punches Right. because the disease process doesn't stop. The peripheral arterial disease isn't going to stop. It's going to keep marching on. Got to keep rolling with those punches and keeping them protected. So that's where I, I really think that that's it's a, a very important marriage. And I think Stride Health, the, the the overarching group that we're trying to vet and and move towards moving in with you guys, is such a unique perspective on how you can treat these patients. And so Stride's trying to. To capture the podiatric aspect of it and the, the inner the vascular interventional aspect of it, and provide a place for patients to go to get all of that care all in on one place, right. which I think is is remarkable and, and forward
1: thinking for sure. I, you know, I think you're absolutely right, and if I can touch on something that you said, is this idea that you know we as physicians are risk mitigators. Mm-hmm. And what's the biggest risk of, of you know before not doing something is doing something and then running into an issue later so if you are you know a patient and you are high-risk and you see a doctor sometimes physicians that are less comfortable or don't work in a multidisciplinary setting will not take you to fix your problem because of the potential of running into problems later that they can't that fix. they can't fix exactly, exactly. Yeah. so from you know a surgical perspective not sure. having good perfusion is is a lot of times a a big issue. So we're there to help. And I think just working together on that. And you're right, I think Stride has a pretty unique approach to a lot of what we do. There's less bouncing around for patients. They're seen all within the same house and they're treated by the same group of physicians. So you know that you're getting actually excellent care without having to be seen by one person and then potentially never see them again. Right or or waiting six or eight weeks to get in to see somebody while tissue is is necrosing.
0: Right. Yeah. So that, I mean, from a patient perspective, I think one of the biggest aspects of this is we're on the same EMR and we can transmit information to you guys seamlessly. So that's not a bottleneck anymore, and uh, being able to get patients in to see the specialist is quick and easy. We get we get folks in t- same week, if not the next day. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. So. That's really been a huge, a huge benefit because I think you're right, uh, t- time is tissue when it comes to these, these peripheral vascular disease problems. The Pod Doctors is also brought to you by the Texas Podiatric Medical Foundation. The TPMF is a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting medical missions, charitable outreach, and medical education that enhance the quality of life for underserved populations foundation provides mentoring, training, and networking for postgraduate podiatric medical students and residents and increase access to patient care for the indigent and those in need of treatment for diabetic complications, deformities, birth defects, injuries, and other untreated medical issues. If you want to donate to the Texas Podiatric Medical Foundation, please go to our website www.thepoddoctors.com and find our GoFundMe account where you can donate to the foundation and help support our medical mission project. Our medical mission project is in San Miguel de Allende, Mexico, which is in the state of Guanajuato. Last year, we were in San Miguel for four days and we treated 600 patients and did over 50 surgeries in four days. We were able to go hopefully every year and spend time treating these patients and providing impact in their lives. I think we uh, are also, you know, the, one of the unique aspects of what we're trying to accomplish with Wise Health System is starting a new wound center over in Argyle, and so that wound center will hopefully be up and running by next summer. And so that's kind of en- encompassing some of what we do as well, with with really focusing the wound care aspect into a wound care center that does it better than anybody else, with access to hyperbarics and be able to do, you know, hyperbaric oxygen treatments, and then dial you guys in from from a vascular standpoint so i think it's going to be it's going to be a real a
1: real amazing mix right there no, and this area is growing like crazy just growing like mad yeah if you start putting together that puzzle you start realizing there are a lot of moving pieces when it comes to wound care and vascular care right you know the old idea of physicians being a silo and then seeing a patient and then letting them go is long gone And it's difficult. You know, you go out into the real world and nobody wants to see those patients go or potentially lose them. Right. So if that keeps you from doing something to help the patient, I think you should really rethink how you practice or maybe join a group that does multidisciplinary. Wound care, vascular, podiatry. These are all, you know, extremely important things to get to accomplish a goal.
0: And I think... um... We do a lot of work because we see that on the front end working in the wound center. Is, you know, that's my other hat is medical director of limb preservation for the wound center. And, and that aspect of it, you have to convince the primary care doctors that we're not here to take over their diabetes control. We're not here to take over their hypertension. We need you to continue to help us manage that. We're going to see these people for a window of opportunity to get the wound closed. And then we're going to send them right back to you. Even my podiatric colleagues that send me patients, we you know make sure that they're comfortable with that relationship so they know I'm not taking them over as a podiatric patient. I'm going to take them over to get their wound closed as part of my goals with the Wound Center, but then I'm going to send them right back to you because we need, we need that relationship to continue and I'm not here to steal patients from you. So um, sometimes the patients get a little put off by that because they're like, well, you did such a good job healing my wound. Can't you be my podiatrist? And I'm like, no, I, you really need to go back to see Dr. Jones because... Uh, he's doing a good job. He sent you here, so you should yeah. be thanking him for sending you to the wound center. Yeah. So I think that's that's a that's a real important thing that um, we need to impress upon our patients that, that we're we're here to treat them for this window and then help manage it as much as they need. But they they still need their primary care doctor, and they still need their endocrinologist, and they still need their orthopedic surgeon for you know the the you know the knees and the hips and the other stuff that they need corrected right. so they can continue to walk. Cause that's the goal because you know the, I think the statistics are all really daunting uh, from the standpoint of long-term survival rate after a baloney amputation. It just isn't Absolutely. good. And I think there were some articles, I don't know if you guys have seen them lately, but there was a couple of articles that were written recently that were concerned about the amputation rate going up and I, and I think when you parsed it out, they were talking about global amputation rates, uh, all toes, midfoot, everything. And I think when amputation rates go up and we're talking minor amputations, that's still a win. That's that's not the below knee, the above knee amputation. So when you see those numbers go up, that means we're catching things early, we're addressing it, we're getting them reperfused, we're saving the rest of the foot, and maybe losing the hallux or moving, losing the big toe, losing the third toe. Right. Those are way easier to address from a biomechanical standpoint than below knee amputations where you know these people are... Being asked to rehab, someone asked me how many patients in your practice. I've been in practice twenty one years. How many patients of yours, who have ended up with a below knee amputation, have gone on to walk with a prosthetic limb? And I, I could literally say it's less than five. Wow! Because they don't have the cardiac output mm-hmm. uh, to be able to survive getting through the, the rehab that it requires. They almost always end up in a wheelchair, and and then they're they're not doing well, and they they they're lucky to survive five years. So yeah. That's really what, what makes us um, go to the ends of the earth to save the foot.
1: Be, even most of the foot, uh, midfoot amputation is way easier to manage. Right. We, we see the same thing. I yeah. mean, you talk about activities of daily living or ADLs. Mm-hmm. You know, the downward spiral with chronic conditions doesn't begin with getting those chronic conditions, but it's the complications that occur afterwards. Right. And amputations, like you're saying, is if you're in a wheelchair, there's very little that you can rehab from a cardiac standpoint. Right. And basically your risk for everything else goes absolutely through the roof. You're basically just on medical management alone. Right. I think one of the things that people sort of you know, they may not realize or they are afraid of seeing a vascular doctor for is, you know, he's gonna take me more we'll do a procedure that's not absolutely necessary and I may or may not end up with an amputation. One of the things that again to put myself in the shoes of a patient of when I seek a vascular doctor is to say, is this something that's absolutely necessary? We in our practice, again, adhere by the idea that time is tissue and we heal wounds. Mm -hmm. Claudication has been absolutely, I think, just beaten to death. And a lot of people still are not adhering to this idea that Claudicants a lot of times do not need revascularization. And in fact, you talk about amputations and mortality, a lot of that is because practitioners are treating clodicants when they can just be treating them with invasive procedures instead of treating them medically. Right. And if you treat them in, with invasive procedures, you start that downward spiral of patients sort of reaching amputations, whether it's toes or below knee or whatever it is. So so again, be very careful of approaching a vascular provider and seeing how they approach your particular problem or what the goal is in mind and i think if you are seeing someone for a wound then they should be the ones that they are and and they are adept and being able to revascularize it stick with them and that's really important and that's what i love working with our podiatrists here especially um you know you guys here in denton is that you know there's no fans or buts about when something needs to be done, right? And we see eye to eye on a lot of different things because of that.
0: Well, I think it's you guys have highlighted. I think even some of the venous disease that I think we weren't being as aggressive with too. I mean, I think that's that's a source of, of pathology for folks and and morbidity that that's unnecessary for a lot of folks i mean i think the venus side of things we'll we'll have to maybe do another talk about that because i think we could talk yeah. for another yeah another half an hour or 45 minutes just on venus disease easily so let's plan on doing that sometime in the next few weeks because right. i think that's that's another aspect of what you guys do sure that gets i think uh, brushed under the rug a little bit because mm-hmm. oh it's just venus disease you know it's not going to kill them but it's it's painful. They they get this heaviness effect, and they right. they, they the, the fatigue involved.
1: Yeah. And then there are those that get they get horrible venous leg ulcers, and those are really hard to treat. They are hard to treat, and I always tell this to my patients if I can if I can just sort of maybe do a preview of the venous yes, please, talk, yeah. You know, I'll give you my two second spiel. You know, venous disease is actually incredibly prevalent. They say above the age of sixty five, somewhere in the range of 40, 50 percent of patients have venous disease. I believe it. It's just. You know, And then people think it's just because I have old legs, they're supposed mm-hmm. to feel tired and heavy and right. whatever it may be. And you may fall on the spectrum of just that, and that's not a problem. Certainly we'd, we'd love to help you feel better, but that's not what we go for. We go towards that other end of the spectrum where wounds exist. And no matter how much arterial perfusion you have to the wound, if you do not treat that venous hypertension, that venous insufficiency, that wound will never heal. And you'll be in the hospital at, antibiotics and cellulitis and yeah exactly oh yeah. yeah and
0: and you can you can have some of these become circumferential 360 degree wounds that are just brutal we to see. heal and they're painful they, yeah. they really do hurt some these are not things. necessarily people who are insensate so yeah, yeah. Th- those are they're a challenge but when you get the, the venous side of things corrected then there's all kinds of um, skin substitutes that we have access to that we can get these things closed but yeah without Without addressing
1: the underlying etiology, you're just going to be spinning your wheels. Absolutely. And um, again, that touches on that multidisciplinary approach. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Wound care can apply all the different, or podiatry can apply all the different, you know, conservative therapies. But if, like you're saying, if you don't see a specialist to treat the underlying problem, you know, you're just kind of kicking the can down the road. Absolutely. Well, thank you
0: very much. This oh, has been yeah. great. Fantastic. We will have to do it again, talk a little bit more. Maybe, maybe also do some specific cases and be able to show some some arteriograms, some before and after. I think that'd be really cool because we do have the the visual aspect of this that we can do. So it's even possible for us to do like a PowerPoint presentation and have them stitch that in. So yeah, we'll definitely do that. So again, very, very thankful that you're here and thankful that we're we're working as a team to get some of these folks back to ground zero.
1: Yeah, likewise. Thank you again for having us on. You bet. And and anytime, we're always here. Appreciate it. Thank you.
0: So this has been The Pod Doctors. Thanks again. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to The Pod Doctors. We appreciate all of our listeners and subscribers.
1: If you'd like to hear more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and watch our videos on YouTube. Like, thumbs up, subscribe. Be safe. See you all next time. Bye-bye.